as you all know, I went through a long painstaking interview process uh, about a month ago. And one of the companies that it came down to was um, this company Literati that I absolutely loved. And um, it was a really hard decision to not go with them. But something that came out of my interview experience was I actually made connections with a lot of women in tech that I, you know, obviously didn't know before. And I didn't really expect interviewing to lead to um, kind of like this networking aspect of things and to even keep in touch with people. Um, So speaking of keeping in touch with people, um, we have one of the recruiters um, that I worked a lot with, Sarah from Literati. um, And she's here today to talk everything about um, talent um, and Literati, obviously startup experience and uh, maybe illuminate, give give us a little... um, inside scoop on me as a candidate. Uh, I think they liked me because I got an offer. So we'll see what Sarah says. But um, yeah, to give her a more professional introduction, Sarah Lambertson is a talent leader and technical recruiting expert who currently leads technical recruiting for Literati. Sarah has worked with numerous startups and leading tech companies and previously served in roles, including head of talent, as well as founder of her own consultancy. Welcome, Sarah. It's great to be here. I feel like we're in like the opposite uh, shoes on the other foot now, Sarah. Like I'm interviewing you. I know. I'm not used to that. You're in the hot seat, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) You're not allowed to drive the conversation. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see if you take over. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I want to just let's hear a little bit about your background first before we dive into the specifics of your job now. But um, From talking to you, you know, I learned that you came into tech from a non-recruiting background. I mean, sorry, a non-traditional background. Um, And uh, we just want to, you know, we love non-traditional backgrounds here. Obviously, Monica and I. We love a non-traditional background. (laughs) (laughs) Non-traditional queens over here. Um, And yeah, so tell us what that path was like for you. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good, you know, kind of like speaks to a lot of uh, my mission in tech today and uh, my own journey getting here. But um, so I actually, uh, my dad was an entrepreneur growing up. So um, kind of had that that in me, I think, from an early age, watched him work really hard. Um, I actually joined the Air Force when I was uh, in my early oh. 20s. Um, yeah, I don't know if you all knew that. Did not but... see that one coming, oh. Sarah. Yeah, there's you a lot of for you. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. I think I was in that uh, place in my life, you know, where it was like, I really, I, I've always had what that entrepreneurial spirit in me. I kind of knew I needed to carve my own path. Um, so went that route and that took me out to, well, it took me to a few places, but I was um, in Washington state stationed at McCord actually for most of that time. I think, you know, I could write a whole book on my Air Force experience. Um, but what I'll say is that I think it taught me a few things. I mean, one, um, really, I always make a joke about everything kind of felt easy after that, but it's really, you know, keeping focused on what you want to achieve. If you just keep going, you can get it. And I think that was a huge thing for me um, that came out of that and and how I am today. But it also taught me that I'm very much an independent um entrepreneurial type person like like my dad was. Um, so afterward, actually moved to San Diego, did a few, there were a few chapters in between um, living by the beach in San Diego. I worked on private chartered yachts for a while. Um, 
anyway, long story short, landed in uh, LA, worked with an, actually a musician here for a while, and then kind of just got to a point where I wanted to uh, have something that was growing and longer term and put all the pieces together and realized um, recruiting was a could be a really good fit for me. So landed in a tech recruiting agency in, uh, in Santa Monica. That was... Um, it was a total, to be honest, quite a culture shock, I think, from, you know, working for a, uh, in a creative role in Silver Lake prior to that. Um, but turned out the role was a really good fit. And, um, you know, everything's kind of come full circle to, to bring me to Literati today. But Wow. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Man, we don't even need any of these other questions that we wrote down. I feel like I know. I just thought I might have talked about your experience. Um, in I guess when you say everything was like you joke, everything was easier after the Air Force. I imagine it was also um a real like learning experience to be a woman in the Air Force uh, as another potentially even more male dominated field. Um, I don't want to, you know, like there's so much else we have to get to, but, um, could you speak to that just a little bit in terms of how that affected you and also maybe how it made you feel more prepared moving into tech, another male dominated field later on? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, there's, there's this culture of, um, you just don't give up. You just get it done, whatever you need to do um, that you're taught in the Air Force or in the military in general. Um, and to be honest, I think that that, that was a great thing. Um, absolutely. You know, there was probably one woman to every 50 men. And um, it's definitely an environment, I think, that that toughens you up in those ways. Um and I think that, you know, that's something kind of getting out and in shifting my priorities in life too, that you have to work to blend back, bring that vulnerability back too. So that's something, you know, this was actually now about 10 years ago when I got out. Um, and I found that, you know, I find that my perspective or where I am with that now, I think the ability to have some of that mindset, but bring that vulnerability and, um, really, uh, yeah, bring that to the table too, is just really, really powerful. So you were probably pretty prepared for, uh, the male dominated industry of tech. Like that probably, you said it was a culture shock, obviously moving to that agency. Um, but it sounds like more because of the work, it was less, you know, from a creative background. Um, it, that, that's a shock, but it seems like, you know, (laughs) you were used to being in rooms full of men, uh, who were, barking orders at you maybe <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. and just hearing all kinds of off the wall comments and things like that that to be honest were tough at times um but i think that i was probably more well suited for it than some people would just having had that background um but yeah i would say there there are a lot of parallels in that way um the job I immediately connected with, it's like the, uh, the creativity that kind of shows up in unexpected ways. Um, the, the people aspect too, like just helping people. Psychology has always been something I've deeply connected with. So, um, I'll never forget being laughed out in my first, uh, recruiting interview when someone said, why do you want to be a recruiter? And I said, because I want to help people. And somebody said, well, 
you can say you want to make money. And I was like, no, like that's, and that's honestly, it's still true today. It really is like my driver. I couldn't just, um, I, I guess I don't know. I don't feel that's the right way to like go about my career or my life. And it's kind of feels empty at the end of the day, if you don't have that deeper thing. I assume you didn't take that job at that place. <laughs> well, I did actually. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Life is life has come a long way since then. Um, I'm glad I did. Cause it pushed me out of my comfort zone so much, like being in these spaces, um, being thrown into things. I didn't get a lot of favors because I, I might be getting ahead of things here, but, um, you know, I was pretty much on my own and kind of like kept out of the boys club and, um, had to draw a lot of lines in the sand just to like, anyway, um, you guys might need to edit that out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it required a lot of um, kind of just keeping my head forward and being firm and um, to be successful there. But there was just always this split of, I love the job. I'm building clients. This is all going really well, but this environment is not uh, not a match for who I am. Would you say that tech recruiting um, more than non-tech recruiting skews more male dominated. I mean, we, we know that the tech industry itself, like products, software engineering does, but is it the same for um, the people who are actually recruiting for those roles usually? Definitely. Um, yeah, it, there's it's definitely male dominated specifically on the tech side. Um, you'll meet a lot of women recruiters, I think, to meet women with the deeper technical um, expertise is pretty rare. Um, and I think actually it it's I kind of like that because I think it makes you um, really different in the market and um, something that people really certain people really connect with too. But um, absolutely, yeah, primarily male um, industry. And so you as a and also obviously as um, in your role, you're probably talking to more male than than female candidates. Um, and last time we all chatted when we weren't recording, you um, alluded to the fact that there's been some uh, some mansplaining uh, <laughs> incidents that I'm sure you've handled with plenty of grace. But is that something that you encounter often or has it like gotten better now? It's better now. Um, I think at this point in my career, I know how to handle that well. And that's either uh, maybe moving on to the right person or just you know, kind of, kind of squashing it in conversation quickly, but absolutely is something that, um, I've experienced a lot of times. I think, you know, it's automatically the perception of like this HR person or this woman. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I may even understand the technical Mm -hmm. topics that are being explained to me on a deeper level than that person at times. Um, but you know, it's just something I kind of let, try to let roll off my back these days and, move forward from so do you see is that sort of like a red flag though when you're looking for candidates yeah i mean that's that's a non-starter for me like that's a uh this is probably not a culture fit if uh if that's the way you communicate or see Mm -hmm. the world you know what's something funny i remember that you did to me throughout the process not did to me that you kept doing through the process was like 
you would, I would talk with someone and then you would text me, how did the chat go? And I'm like, well, how did they say the chat go? Like, why does she want to hear about how I, and, and this conversation is just making me think about how, like, obviously you're coming at it from like the whole person perspective. Like it seems like looking back on it, you, you wanted to hear from me that, or at least I think you did like that you, you wanted me to be able to articulate like why I liked talking to someone or like why I was interested in literati still after every conversation and not just like, I talked to someone and then you say, okay, they liked you moving on. Like it was more of a, I don't know, kind of like a whole, or that's how it seemed. And I just kept being like, what, what, what does this mean? Like, she wants to know, she wants to know how I, how I led to that chat. Um, but it seems like you probably gather a lot about a candidate from those like informal chats that are kind of more sneaky where they maybe don't know, you know, like they, they don't, I think candidates maybe don't expect those more check-in like chats where they think it's like, I have the interview done. And then the recruiter may just be like the middle woman in between us. Right. Yeah, definitely. I, I look at it from, well, first of all, candidate experience is always really important to me. Like I want to make sure, I mean, with you, we, I, you know, I think there was an immediate connection and, um, you know, so that was, we already knew we were interested in, in you and there was that, that just connection with the mission too. But that's something, yeah, that I try to do with candidates throughout the process, just that check-in because like, A, I want to understand where they are at. And if in fact, like the fit is really important to me, it's not just about filling a position. And that's the way I see it is, is this a fit for the company? Is this a fit for you? Is this going to be a happy partnership over the long term too? So it definitely tells me like where, you know, that person's head is at, where their priorities are, what they connect with. Um, But also I think, you know, as we're going through the interview process, it's those unanswered questions that can a lot of times it's like, it it feels like it's my responsibility to make sure that you have the information you need. So I want to make sure that if there are questions in your mind that I'm connecting you with the right people, that you have the information you need. So it's really kind of just, um, I think ultimately comes down to really just being mindful and taking care of the candidate throughout the experience too. And so a little bit of both of those. Yeah. And, and I think it, it made me feel definitely more like taken care of and invest the investment from you all because some companies it would be like you know you talk to the initial recruiter and then they just pass you off to someone else at some point it's not really clear why they're doing that or when you're going to hear from the other person so there's like this drop-off point and then you're talking to a random person you've never talked to and you have to re-explain your story it's just kind of weird and I really don't know why companies do that but um I had a better I had better experiences at some places but with you, it's like, okay, Sarah's my go-to. Where is she? If I need something, I can ask her. I don't, I'm not waiting around for days for an email um, about how my final round went. Like, it's just, it's so, it's so interesting. Um, and I assume that kind of care and like attention to the candidates is a lot of work, but it like pays off in the end because I, I definitely wouldn't have considered literati as closely as I did if I didn't have that um, close of a relationship with you where you were like, Oh, you're curious about this. I'm going to connect you with this guy who actually hasn't even started yet, but he's really invested too. And he's, he can, he can tell you why he chose literati. So it just felt like a super tailored, um, experience and, and, and super unique from any of the, um, any of the recruiting experiences I had not to like blow smoke up your ass, but, it, but yeah, that was a great, no, okay. it was a great experience. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I just try to really think about like, honestly, I try to think about how I would want to be treated throughout that process, the kind of interaction I would want to. And yeah, it's more energy. Um, the the reality is on the back end, you know, recruiters are often have like are way overtasked, are, you know, have priorities to meet, have hiring managers who may give them unclear information or all kinds of things that are going on in the back end. So I'm not going to say that, um, you know, for those recruiters who do it differently, that they don't have a lot on their plate. But um, I just think that those things are so important in terms of, um, yeah, the overall experience. I want to hear more about Taylor's interview. <laughs> obviously, I was not included in that. Um, what do you want to hear? I, spill the tea. Tell me everything. Wait, like, let me tell the you. good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> let me tell you a few things that I think I did and you can like respond to them. I think I was like... Um, way more forthcoming with all and for as I just discussed I felt comfortable with you so like when we hit the end I was telling you like exactly the other companies like exactly my thought process for each one and why I would go with each one and why I would go with literati versus another and I think honestly like I and that's it all kind of played out exactly how I said it would like I think um I think there there was no like misleading at any point in time. I feel like I was really honest with you, but I said more to you than I did other people just because you were like, let me hear it. And um, I wasn't saying it to like hike up my offer, even though I did negotiate a little bit, but it wasn't even like a, um, we can talk about negotiation too. Um, But yeah. Um, So yeah, that's how, that's what I, that's what I was trying to do in our interactions. What what do you think? (laughs) No, I think that's great. I honestly really appreciate it when people just use that transparent approach too. And I try to do that because again, it all comes back to fit at the end of the day and people, people are people and everybody has different interests and different needs. And the more that I understand where someone I'm working with is at, the more that we can, we can figure that out or I can, I can help you too. And yeah, I think it just builds like trust on both sides, but also, you know, if, ultimately you don't end up working with me, then it's like, we had a great, we, that, that respect is there. We had a great, you know, maybe we can uh, like work together in some other way or work together in the future too. So it just leaves things, I think on a really in a nice place. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I did. And like I told you, like I was like a company, like literati is somewhere. And I guess I should say, I guess I talked about this in another episode, but the, the reason ultimately that I didn't go with literati was that it was a much smaller team um, and much smaller. I would have like two, maybe two or three other iOS engineers working with me. And I just knew for, and, and that also was kind of more of my comfort zone. I was like, I know I'm going to be super happy. I know like I can function in a team of that size. Um, but I knew I needed to push myself to with like a more, just a very experienced team behind me to have mentorship, to mentor others. Um, and at this point, like mid to senior level of my career, needing to be surrounded by that, like really high rigorous technical bar of a large company. Right. And it's an experience I'd never had before. Um, but like, I still, I'm like, oh dang, wish I was going to Austin this month for some barbecue and to like visit the literati office. You like, could always just one. come down and hang out. <laughs> <laughs> but truly it was like, I know this is a company that I want to you know, stay in contact with and obviously see where you all go. Um, and that played a part in how I 
you know, I didn't like ghost you or like send you an email by going another direction. Like I called you in the airport on the way to Mexico to, um, to tell you, I texted you, are you awake? <laughs> 7 a.m. And I, I was. <laughs> she was yeah. like, I'm awake. <laughs> no, and that's just like, that brings it back to fit. And that's where I totally respect that. Cause it, you know, it's like, it needs to be the right thing for you. And people have all kinds of different goals at different points in their career. Like I love, I love the startup thing. Um, you know, I love really like that earlier creating and that impact and all of that. And, but, you know, on the other hand, like that may not be where someone else is at that point. And like, I think it's just important to be honest about it and, and, you know, uh, do what, what you feel at the end of the day. Cause you know, what I would hate would be for somebody to come in and it like, it just didn't align with them. So I think that's, um, it's, it was really good. And I'm glad that we were able to have that kind of, kind of interaction throughout the process. For sure. Well, one of my favorite interactions was when I met with your CEO, Jess, as part of like the last one of the last chats, she just came on and was like, so I hear you're hot shit. (laughs) (laughs) Cracking up. I was cracking up and I, and, and like, I was like, oh yeah, obviously like I would totally get along with this person and like totally being herself or I, you know, seems like she's just comfortable being herself. And um, and obviously here at imposter, we hate any like facade of professionalism or just like acting a certain way. So you're perceived as more professional, like, no, fuck that. So when she said that, I was just like, oh yeah, this is totally, um, this, I, we would totally get together, get, get together, get along. Um, and it was cool to definitely talk to her as part of the process too. Um, cause then you're like, wow, I'm meeting the CEO. Like they really care about me. And you learn a lot, obviously, about the company. Um, but that was, I was just cracking up. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's amazing. And just, um, I mean, she's a br- like brilliant product mind. But I, like, I think I always, it's so funny. My final interview with her that reminds me a lot of that. But it was by far the most honest final interview I've ever had. And that's what I, I kind of where I knew one of the elements that told me this is definitely the right place for me was, I really want to get to know who you are. And I really appreciated that. And I think that's very much uh, true of, of my CEO. Yeah. It's so cool that you get to work for a female CEO and closely with her. Yeah. 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 Let's linger there for a moment. Um, What sort of differences have you observed uh, in this role with a more like female leadership team than you have previously? Yeah. I I mean, I think every, um, Every CEO, every founder is different, but I definitely, um, I mean, I, I love working with a female founder and I think, I think part of it is just like, A, it's so cool to be a part of seeing an amazing woman, you know, win and being a part of supporting that. But, um, you know, I think some of the inherent, uh, qualities that, that we tend to have as women, like creativity, empathy, communication, attention to detail, like those things. I really see. And, um, yeah, I think make, make a big difference. Let's get into like some juicy, um, maybe like, uh, some negotiation, like conversations, like, uh, differences between, uh, female and male candidates in terms of negotiation. Um, for me, all I really did in my negotiation was I said, I think we were texting and I was like, I want to see that number higher or something like that. 
but like, that's because we had that relationship and you were just like, here's some, you know, ballpark. And then I, we were texting just because that had been, it, that would have been inappropriate if we didn't have that relationship. But I feel like it was like, and I, I don't remember what my exact words were, but, um, so I don't think I really, you know, did like a full formal, nego- like, I, I don't know if that's what I would, um, recommend people do unless they have that kind of relationship with a recruiter. But, um, what are some things that you've seen? Yeah. Between, between men and women or just like some good techniques. Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of negotiation at the simplest form, I always just think of it like, first of all, and and I'm being really honest when I say this, it's like at the end of the day, generally, if the fit is right, we can work out the money. So it's like, it's almost like being a mediator, right? Like how do we make this meet in the middle? How do we make this work for you and work on this side? And we'll work those pieces out. But um, in terms of women versus men, I think, you know, that is something that I saw in terms of why or what kind of value that I could bring to this space um, early on was that I started having all these conversations with I mean, you know, it's been thousands of candidates at this point, but, you know, I talked to a male engineer and I talked to a female engineer and I might get this, this thing where I think the, some of the stereotypes or some of the generalizations, like, yes, there does tend to be more of an overconfidence or I meet two of these bullet points and I apply for the job or asking, you know, pushing that number a lot higher. And then I would talk to great women engineers who, on the other hand, were, you know, it, oh, I don't meet this one bullet requirement. Maybe I shouldn't apply for this role or, you know, underselling themselves. Like she's got the same skills as him and he's telling me $20,000 less. That's something as a talent leader, I think is really important to just prioritize and keep, because that's sometimes what's happening with those sorts of things is that they're there isn't someone who's paying attention and prioritizing. And it's like, oh, cool. You'll take this number. That's what we'll pay you. And um, it's really important to me that just to keep that top of awareness and level, you know, make sure the playing field is level. Yeah. It's good having you there, not to just like get away with the lowest amount that you could possibly pay someone. Like, do you find yourself looking out for women more, you know, like, well, and I think maybe you didn't ask, or maybe you did ask me a range. Yes, you did ask me a range. So we've talked about this on the podcast before, like when recruiters ask what, what range are you looking for? And our response that Ellie, one of our guests, Ellie told us a great response was like, um, if you have a, if you have budget allocated for this role, I'd be happy to hear like the range that you have allocated for this role, but not giving the number. Cause it's almost like giving your power away because then you tell them what the highest number that you expect. And in many cases, that's probably lower than, than even what the role could be in the, in the first place. Um, but I remember you made, you were like, like, just tell me, like, I'm on your team. Just tell me. And I was like, okay, uh, this, I guess, I don't know. Um, and, um, I think in the end, like I actually, I think in the end, actually, you didn't even hold me to that highest number. So it worked out like you clearly weren't trying to, you know, trap me into a range. Um, where, where was I going with this? Um, asking ranges, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Yeah, to speak to that, it's um, it's interesting, like, you know, and I do that, I mean, because really, 
I, I am like looking out for if I, if I think someone's great and I think they'd be great for the company, I am going to look out for that person's best interest. But um, it, part of that is like on my end that it can be limiting. And that might be that an uh, HR team tries to tell me that market range for you know, iOS engineers is 120 to 130. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not accurate. <laughs> so sometimes that's just me actually understanding like what you need to get paid and how we can make that happen. Um, so I would hate to like come back to you with, you know, something like that, if that, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, that would have been offensive. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, there, there's like some, um, there's some consideration based on like where you live, right? Because $120,000 is kind of like a different amount of money based on if you're in Los Angeles or if you're, I don't know, insert like name of small town here. Totally true. And actually just disclaimer, that's, that is not a real range. I just pulled that uh, yeah, but (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, definitely low location relevant, but that's interesting because it's changing a lot with With remote work work world in general, like in, I think every market is just, is just weird and been affected in different ways. But one thing in tech is the remote workforce. So like, you know, the Austin, uh, Austin range isn't the Austin range anymore. It's like, everybody's at this point paying SF salaries. So I think that'll level out, uh, over time, but, but it's interesting how it's affected things. And even someone like myself having to counsel leadership and other people on the team, you know, around what things actually look like in this, uh, in the world we're in right now. Yeah. And even part of my negotiation was like, um, I want to visit Austin like once a month. Like I want that in my budget. Like I want Mm -hmm. to have a travel budget. So I think there's sometimes things like that, that you can do like, um, and also, you know, I experienced the like negotiating for a, um, a signing bonus and then either grant like stock grants or RSUs. And so there are just like so many pieces that so many levers that you have to pull and, but it's like, you have to know as a candidate, you have to know what things you can ask for. Um, and I think that like, travel budget, especially if you're working remotely, like that's something important to at least clarify or like make sure that that's an option. Yeah. That's a good one that a lot of people would have missed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was like important to me, especially for a small startup, like to be part of like part of being in a startup is like being a part of that startup culture, um, working remotely. I mean, it's, it's just different. Cause like, you don't, I don't think you feel, I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's easier these days with the tools that we have, but um, you want to be around, you want to be sitting next to the CEO in person and be like, wow, look at her. She's right there, like doing CEO stuff. And I'm right here. Um, so you know, that was important to me. I pull it off being remote myself. And like, I'm also one of these, I've been working remote for a few years and I like just the flexibility of it. And I think I just like slack people and zoom people so much that it, it works out, but, um, I totally know what you mean. Like, uh, being down there. And I mean, it's a pretty different and pretty like magical kind of experience being there in the office, uh, and having that kind of connection too. Yeah, man, I'll have to visit someday. Totally. Welcome anytime. (laughs) Uh, I feel like we're almost at time. So one, uh, one question that we at least try to, to squeeze in to the end is just to ask 
you know, a little bit more about you as a person sort of outside of your life and tech outside of your life uh, as recruiters. So what's like one thing going on right now um, outside of work that you're excited about? Ooh, great question. Um, let's see. I mean, my biggest kind of my biggest go-to is, um, I mean, music is a big thing for me. So be the guitar in your yeah, background. Yeah, I've got a few of them hanging around here. Um, so actually trying to get back into writing a, a bit more too. And I think that's, it's kind of like interesting with my tech career because I have to get off work and like unwind and get back into that place. But yeah, music's always a big one for me. What's something um, exciting that you're you're looking forward to coming up at Literati that you're allowed to share? Ooh, there's a lot of exciting things happening. Um, yeah, there's, uh, I'm actually really excited about what's going on on the kids' side of the business in general. Um, I think as someone who, like, I'm not a parent myself at this point, um, didn't really get how huge that side of things is. I mean, it's really our, it's where Literati began and it's huge. And, um, you know, some of the the conversations I've had even uh you know, with Lauren, who joined us from Spotify, just about the reach of that side and the impact is it's pretty incredible. Um, and yeah, in terms of what we're doing with school book fairs and really revolutionizing that entire model, um, super cool. Well, I remember when we were talking, you were like, remember, um, remember like the Scholastic Book Fair? Like Monica, do you remember that? Yeah. Love, love the Scholastic Book Fair. I've been seeing some shout outs to it on TikTok. Well, like what's, yeah, what's happened to it? And also like, it's just kind of the same old dusty old book fair, but we loved it still, but Mm -hmm. it's like kind of a shitty experience and being in that book space, like there's so much possibility, obviously can't really talk about what you guys are doing, but um, just being in that like children's literacy space and like really cultivating a love for reading and books that is probably really lost nowadays with technology and all that stuff. Um, or even leveraging technology. We talked about like trying to, you know, read, uh, bring uh, like books on the iPad or whatever, like kind of tie that in so that reading is a more fun, immersive experience. Um, but like at all levels from the book to the experience around books and building those worlds and experiences. So cool. I can't wait to take my kids through a literati book fair in I want to go myself. Like yeah, still, go. <laughs> the thought of that still excites me. Although I feel like as a kid, I was equally as excited for like the non books as I was for the book. Cause they're always like puzzles and stickers. Yeah. And like my mom would always get so mad at me. She'd be like, why did you bring home all these toys? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I guess we should say like, aside from the kids part, we didn't even ask you to explain what literati is but there's also like a full adult side which is basically like Mm -hmm. a book subscription um and you can say this better than i can but like luminaries like really cool people curate books and you can like read all the books that steph curry recommends or did you just um was megan rapino on there did i read yep yeah we just announced her last monday i was i was excited um about that one uh but yeah, I mean, I think the whole concept is imagine anybody. And um, I explained it to a friend, just breaking it down kind of uh, this way the other day. But I was like, imagine someone you really look up to. Like that could be an artist you really like. That could be Beyonce or something. But you're getting a 
story from their personal collection once a month. And then you're able to interact with them, you know, on, on this platform too, and actually talk to that person and actually hear their thoughts around things. So I think that there's something really amazing about that concept. I think it's such a good idea. And obviously that's why I was so interested. Um, you know, I think you LinkedIn messaged me, obviously, where I always am get those LinkedIn messages. Yeah, and where Taylor lives. <laughs> yours was yours was a welcome one. Um, and yeah, I'm just so glad we connected and are still connected and didn't drop oh. off after interviewing. And um, yeah, it's just like great to have women, especially in different parts of the tech industry in your corner and looking out for you and to just like watch what they're doing and, and watch in awe and be inspired. So Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Taylor. This has been such a great opportunity to talk to you. And, you know, as you said, like the, the relationship doesn't have to end just because either like there isn't an offer or, um, or the offer isn't accepted. Like look at us all three here (laughs) collaborating. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you know, you just never know, uh, who you're going to run into down the line, where you're going to be, how you can, you know, work together. So, um, you know, I just love, love having great people in my network. And this is so cool that we can all, you know, that, that we're here now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for chatting with us today and, um, looking forward. I'll see you at the book fair. Yeah. We both see you there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye Sarah. Bye Sarah.